Good morning, good morning. So how many of you have been here before? Yeah, it's a little different, huh? So we'll see how this goes in uh, the dining hall. I didn't mind this. I didn't mind teaching in here uh, last hour. Doing it twice is a little different on a Sunday morning, but I have to do that at home anyway. Let me say by way of introduction, so thank you, uh, Hodown, for the introduction. My wife, my wife Lisa, is here, and we've got four kids. We love Go Lake. Uh, we love coming here. It's fabulous. I will say I've been here enough times that I'm not anxiously waiting for one more ride on the zip line. So I'm here this week to do ministry. So if there are things you would like to talk about, you know, we normally, and in years past, we'd get like a Wednesday morning session to do questions. I'm going to see if we might be able to even just do maybe some questions in here uh, for some later times. But what I'm saying to you is like, I came here again, not for the zip line. Uh, I came here to interact about Jesus. So if you want to talk about anything that we talk about in the session, if you got spiritual stuff going on, it is a spiritually fraught world uh, in which we're living. Uh, the Lord sent me here to do ministry. And so uh, my wife as well loves to do ministry. We like to talk to people about Jesus. And so it's an open invitation. I don't know what's going on in your life, but you do. And so I won't know to come up to you and say, hey, would you like to talk about this? But if you would like to talk about it, I would like to talk about it. And so um, my kids are at the age where they love running around and they don't need me. I am in a pickleball tournament, so I did sign up to do that. Uh, but, but generally speaking, I'm here to be a pastor to all of you uh, this week. And if there's anything you want to talk about related to the talks, related to Jesus, he's my favorite subject. And so I would love to talk to you. So deal? If you've got something, you will come and, and talk to me, and I will be glad, and I will count it a privilege uh, to be able to do the ministry with you. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to dive in. Heavenly Father, we are grateful, God, for rain. You remind us, Lord, that rain is like your word, that it comes down from heaven, it doesn't go back up, it waters the earth and it causes it to bring forth and to bud. And we have fruit, and we've got trees, and we've got life, and we've got food, because you chose to send us rain from heaven. And God, you say that your word is like the rain, is that you send it from heaven, and it accomplishes the purposes for which you sent it. It does not return to you void. It doesn't return to you empty. It does powerful things. And so today, Lord, here in our midst, we pray that you would rain down your word on us. Uh, Lord, we may have ideas of things we want to hear. Uh, Lord, we may have hopes and expectations. But God, we choose instead to lay those aside and to submit ourselves before you and say, here we are, Lord, speak. And Lord, like rain, sometimes we get rain and we think, oh man, rain, I wanted sun. Uh, but Lord, rain brings life. And so rain down on us, God, what we need to hear. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see, willing hearts to listen. And Lord, we pray that as your word falls upon our hearts, that it would be soft ground and that it would bring forth much fruit. And that, Lord, even years from now, we might be able to look back and remember a passage, a word of encouragement, something that you said to us that set our course in a direction that was more like Jesus. Lord, if that happens, it won't have anything to do with me. It will have everything to do with you. And so we start with prayer. 
Uh, Lord, we end with prayer uh, because, God, you do all of it in between. And so, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers, for we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you know this is the 100-year anniversary of Go Lake? Yes, they've made it quite clear. That's very, I think that's pretty amazing, 100 years of ministry. We've been here 11, so it feels like about one-tenth of the time that ministry's been going on at Go Lake, and you think, well, that's a long time. 100 years is one of those moments or times when you kind of stop for a minute and say, wow, 100 years. How did Go Lake do? I'm not in any position to answer that question. I can say over the last 11 years, there's been some incredible blessings that my family's experienced here, that I've experienced here, that our church has experienced here. We bring people from our church every year. Uh, and so I look back over the past 11 years and think, man, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for Go Lake. But 100 years is a time to kind of stop and to say, how are we doing? And so we can do that. They can do that as collectively as a ministry. But it's also a chance in which for us to be able to say, okay, how are we doing? Uh, you know, we're currently in the midst of uh, a crazy world. And we can think to ourselves, this ministry has existed for 100 years. And there's lots of people that came before us who are part of this ministry, who served here, who led here, lots of decisions that were made that allowed us to get to this point. And we can think about that in our own lives in the sense of the decisions that you and I are making now are setting the course for uh, the children who are sitting at the tables with us. The decisions they're going to make sets the course for the generation that comes after us. And a hundred year anniversary is a good time to just kind of stop and think about the question of legacy, to think about the question of where are we going and how are we getting there? Will we get to a point where at 100 years, maybe of life, we're going to sit back and look back on where we've been and say, how did we do? And what I'd like to do this morning is look at somebody who got to the end of his life and kind of in looking back on how he did, the Lord kind of pronounced this is how he did. And what I want to take from that is as Go Lake is thinking about legacy, of course, it's a message for the conference, but also just for us individually, one of the things that COVID-19, the pandemic that we're in the midst of, it causes us to kind of take stock. How are we doing? Where are we going going forward? And so what I'm hoping is we're going to look at a guy in the Bible who's going to kind of set the stage for our talks all, all this week and thinking specifically about where are we going? Legacy, are we headed in the right direction? And what are some things we might be able to do now uh, to help us end up in a place we want to get to at a 100-year anniversary or at our death or when COVID-19 is done or however it may go? Now, what we're going to look at uh, is someone named King Saul. And we're going to look at a little of his story this morning. And we're going to see something called an epitaph. And what an epitaph is, is that sort of short thing you say about somebody at the end of their life, or that short thing you say, maybe about a ministry, like how did Gull Lake do? When you look back over a life, uh, maybe you've got kids and they're kind of reaching the point where they're leaving the nest and you want to kind of look back and say, how did we do 
raising these children. Maybe you got a brand new baby and you're kind of thinking about, okay, here's the legacy we want to have going forward. An epitaph is that sort of short summary. What we all want to hear is we want to hear the epitaph of well done, good and faithful servant. We're going to look at Saul's epitaph, and I'm going to tell you up front, it's not positive. We're going to look at his epitaph and what God had to say about Saul so that you and I don't make the same mistakes and end up in the same place he did. So we're going to turn to 1 Chronicles 10. If you've got a Bible, you're free to turn there. I'm going to put the passage up on the screen in just a minute. 1 Chronicles 10, and let me set the stage of what's going on. And in setting the stage, I got just a couple of asides that I want to cover with the story because I've got some topics that I feel like we're supposed to talk about this week. But God's Word is super powerful, and so there's often subjects that He brings up in connection that may not be on topic, but from God's point of view, they're on topic. So let me set the context, a couple of asides, and then we're going to look at Saul's epitaph. Okay, where we are in this story, Saul is the first king of Israel. Before Saul, there are no kings. We've got judges. We've got prophets that are leading Israel. And Israel at some point says, we want a king. And so God divinely chooses Saul. And it's clearly a blessing. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon Saul, and he leads Israel in a really good way at the beginning. Where we pick up the story is right at the end, and Saul is on Mount Gilboa. And he's in the middle of a battle with the Philistines. Now, this is bad. Gilboa is in the center of the country, which means the Philistines have come all the way into Israel, meaning that things are not going well. And Saul is going to go to battle against the Philistines, and it will be his last act as a human. On Mount Gilboa, Saul and his three oldest sons, along with lots of other people, lose their life. Now, as an aside, because you might be familiar with the story, Saul loses his life by committing suicide. I don't really want to talk to us about suicide today, but I don't feel like I can, can just leave that there. And so I want to say just a couple of things about this. Saul is the first suicide in the Bible. And if you've had any experience, been around people who've gone through those or struggled with those uh, self-harm kinds of thoughts, let me say just a couple of things. What we're going to talk about with Saul, his epitaph, talks about a little bit how he got to that point. But what happened to him at that point was, because of sin in his life, God was forced to back away from Saul, which made Saul susceptible to deception. And Saul was lied to about how to make decisions. And Saul makes a really, really bad decision at the end of his life. Having said that, I think Saul's in heaven. I don't have a Bible verse that says that, but what I do have is stories of Saul where God's Spirit was clearly on him and clearly leading him. And I just want to say as an aside, if you know somebody who's committed suicide, if you've been around people that have struggled with it, it is not an unpardonable sin. It is usually the result of deception. 
it is a horrific thing that Satan does to somebody to confuse them about God's love. But even if we are faithless, God remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. And even though we're going to hear Saul's epitaph and we're going to hear God say about Saul, not well done, I still think Saul's in heaven because we end up in heaven not on the basis of how well we do or not how well we do. We end up in heaven on the basis of the fact that God loves us and Jesus died for our sins. And even if you or I end poorly, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, if you believe that he is the son of God, that he died on a cross and was raised from the dead for the forgiveness of your sins, even if you end very, very poorly, God is faithful. So Saul ends poorly, and this is what God says about Saul at the end of his life. This is his epitaph. Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. And then God says there are two charges against Saul. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium. That's charge number one. And did not inquire of the Lord. That's charge number two. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. This is the end of Saul's life, and this is God's pronouncement on how Saul did. And we may come to Gull Lake and we may say, 100 years, fantastic, great. At the end of the day, we're not so interested in what we think. We're interested in what God thinks. And you may get to the end of your life and you may say, everybody may say, well done. What we want to know is what does God have to say about us? And we don't want God to say that. And so what I want to talk about this morning by way of setting up where we're going this week What is it that God says Saul did wrong? And what is it that we ought to do differently so that we won't hear God say that about us? Now, the first thing that God says that Saul did wrong is that he did not keep the word of the Lord. Essentially, God says, look, I I wrote some rules. The Bible is not just rules, but there are rules in here. There are things, there are commandments. Saul had 10 commandments. He didn't obey those 10 commandments. God says, I was not pleased with Saul as king because he didn't keep the word of the Lord. We are not going to focus as much on that. It's super important. It's actually more important than what we're going to talk about. That's why it's listed first. But there's a sense in which keeping the word of the Lord is relevant to what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the second charge this week. But the first charge is, God said, hey, look, there's some things I said, and you just didn't do them. And then he gives an example. And the example sets us up for the second charge. Do you see the example? He even consulted a medium for guidance. Have you ever heard the word medium before? It's a strange word. I know we've got some younger children in here, so I'm going to explain what a medium is. Parents, if my explanation causes you to have some questions and you would like to uh, ask me about those, I would be glad to explain them. 
What a medium is, is a witch. Sometimes we think that sort of like witches, that's only like in fiction fantasy books. I just want to be honest with you, and I know you got younger kids in here, but I want to be honest up front and to say where they got some of that, not the details, but the idea, it is true in reality. What Saul did is he went and visited a witch. Now, not like Harry Potter where people are kind of born witches. This is a person who opened herself up to forces of darkness and was able to do things that you and I might look at and go, ooh, that's not very good. I just want to be honest with you and say that stuff does exist in this world. God is stronger than that, and if you're a Christian, the spirit that God gives you to live inside of you is more powerful than all of that stuff. But Saul chooses to go and visit a witch. This makes God very angry because Saul has chosen to go to the forces of darkness for what? What does he want from this witch? Guidance. He wants direction. He's got big decision in front of him. He's about to go to battle with the Philistines, and he wants to know, how's this going to go? He wants guidance for this battle. And he chooses to go to a witch to ask for guidance. And it's a strange story. She somehow, through the forces of darkness, has the ability to summon the prophet Samuel from the grave, and Samuel and Saul have a conversation. And Samuel says to Saul, Buddy, this, you're in big trouble. You are not supposed to do this. And Samuel tells him, the Lord has removed his hand of favor from you. And so Saul goes in just a few hours later into battle uh, and he dies. And so God says, first of all, Saul, what you did wrong is you just generally didn't obey. And there's lots of examples of how he didn't obey. But the one example God chooses is when you needed guidance, you actually went to Satan to ask for help. That's not what you want on your epitaph. The second charge is actually related to the first. The second charge is the one we want to talk about this week. Do you see the second charge? And did not inquire of the Lord. That doesn't have to do with obeying the rules. Okay, what that has to do with is making decisions that the rules don't talk about. So there are 10 commandments. There are rules about uh, not committing uh, adultery. There are rules about not murdering. There are also lots and lots of decisions we have to make that are not based about the rules. They're about, are we going to have camp this summer? Uh, what are we going to do for school? How are we going to handle, uh, what are we going to give money to? Those kinds of decisions, God's charge to Saul was, you didn't come and ask me. It's bad enough that you went and asked a witch. You didn't come ask me. And the relevance for us today, look, I don't think a lot of us are probably going to go to some tarot card reader, might, we shouldn't, uh, to do any of that kind of witchcraft sort of things. But we too are faced with choices. How are we going to make decisions in life? Saul didn't go to God 
and instead went to something else. Now, I don't know about you, but in the midst of this pandemic, I find COVID-19 to be thoroughly exhausting. Anybody else? Have you stopped it? Like, I was on a conference call with some other pastors at one point in this, and one of the pastors was like, everything we were doing stopped, and I'm more tired than I've ever been. And I was like, yeah, like we canceled everything. But why am I so exhausted? And I realized the answer was, we stopped doing stuff, and all the time and energy was put into making decisions. And over the past three or four months, I have made more decisions than I ever want to make in all my life. And it's incredibly tiring. It's exhausting. And you realize, well, now we've got to make all this sort of stuff that the kind of the decisions were already made for us. Well, you send your kid to school. Like, that's what, whatever, we're, we were in going to public schools. And so you just kept going. To, now, all of a sudden, well, what are we going to do with school? Is there going to be homeschooling? How's that going to work? And now we're still trying to figure out. We're waiting until this Friday for our school district to say what the options are. And then we got to pray through, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do with the options? At church, I said this to hoe down and to, to ambush. I'm like, you poor guys. I Just the decisions to try to figure out camp and all that kind of stuff. At church, it is overwhelming. Are we going to meet? Are we going to wear masks? Are we going to sing? Do we have choir? Are we going to do this? Are we going to sanitize? Will we let people come? Do we have them sign up? How many people can be in the room? How do you do all the social? I'm like, well, just try In the past, you just had a service. Now it's like hundreds of decisions. The reason I say that is because when I asked the Lord, well, what are we supposed to talk about here at Go Lake this week? I inquired of the Lord, and the answer came back, decisions. Because what I think is happening in COVID-19, you see, Saul is the first king of Israel. Means he's going to make lots of decisions that there's no precedent for. I just got done reading uh, the book Hamilton. There's a musical, super famous musical now that's been based on the book. You read the book and you're like, man, they had to make a lot of decisions when the country started. They're like, well, we got to figure out what positions we're going to have. We got to figure out how this is all going to work. We got to figure out is there a bank? Is there not a bank? How do states' debts work? How do we taxes? Like every decision you got to make from the start. Saul was in that position. He's the first king of Israel. And the reason why God is so frustrated with him is you want a king to do two things. You want a king to set a good moral example, and Saul didn't do that. And you want a king to make decisions the right way, and Saul didn't do that. And I'm compelled by this epitaph because I look at COVID-19 and I think what God's done is taken the world and he's turned it upside down. And all the stuff we sort of, he hit reset. How are sports going to work? What are we doing about technology? What about work? What about school? What about church? What about finances? And all of a sudden, if you're like me, you're thrown into a world in which we're making decision after decision after decision. And I felt like God said for our time here at Go Lake, Let's talk about making decisions. Because what we don't want is an epitaph that looks like that. We don't want to get to the end of COVID-19 and have God say, you didn't ask. <laughs> you made a lot of decisions. Saul made tons of decisions. Tons of decisions. Some weren't bad decisions. Some were pretty good decisions. A good number of them were bad decisions. And God said, it's because you just didn't ask. And it's not just Saul. God's just not, not just for kings of Israel. This is what he says in Zephaniah. 
God says, I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all who live in Jerusalem, not just the king. I will destroy every remnant of Baal worship in this place, the very names of the idolatrous priests, those who bow down on the roofs to worship the starry host, those who bow down and swear by the Lord and also swear by Molech, those who turn back from following the Lord and neither seek the Lord nor what? Inquire of him. God says, look, all of us, whether you lived in Zephaniah's time or today, we all got choices, just like Saul. You got witch, you got Google, you got technology, you got all sorts of ways that you might make decisions. You got Molech, you got all these different ways you might make decisions, and you got the Lord. And what God says is everybody's got to make decisions. What God wants is not these ways of making decisions. He wants, come and ask me. So what we're going to talk about this week, how do you do that? How do you inquire of the Lord? How do you ask God, well, what about school? How do you ask God, what should we do with work? How do you ask God, well, what instrument am I supposed to play in the fall? Or is there going to be a band? Is there going to be a choir? How do you ask God these kinds of things in such a way that God would say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. So we're going to do that. We're going to cover, these are the topics. You can decide if this is helpful. So next session, we're going to talk about how do you make decisions and hear God speak uh, through his word, especially kind of through the stories, to provide guidance. Uh, we're in the third session. We're going to talk about how do you read kind of like the circumstances around you uh, and see how God might be giving you a sign or circumstances that might help you hear from the Lord. Uh, fourth session, how do you use wisdom? So God gives us wisdom. How do we use godly wisdom to make decisions? The fifth section is kind of an extension of that. We're going to talk about like, how do you make travel plans? Anybody tried to make travel plans in the midst of the pandemic? It's crazy. Like, I don't have any idea. Like my wife and I were supposed to go away on a trip in April. That trip got canceled. I have no idea if we'll ever be able to reschedule that trip when we should. And we sat down and tried to do that. And it was like, I don't know. I don't know if there'll be any planes flying. I don't know when none of this is going to happen or how that's going to work. We're going to talk about just that specific example about how you make plans like that. And then the sixth one, we're going to talk about a strange concept, but it's all over the Bible. We're talking about casting lots. Uh, and so our talks, these six sessions, are about this subject. How do you inquire of the Lord? And for Gull Lake Ministry, if God gives them a next, another 100 years, which I hope he does, I want said about Gull Lake Ministries, they inquired of the Lord. At the end of COVID-19, I want God to say about me, in the midst of the reset, he came and asked. And what I want God to be able to say about each of us is that whatever decisions lie in front of us, we didn't choose a witch or Molech or human means or what everybody else wanted to do or whatever. We asked the Lord and the Lord led and guided us each way. You with me? What I'd like to do today in just a little bit of time we have left is I would like to show you the most important principle for being able to hear back from God uh, for decisions we have to make. The thing, like if you're like, you know what? I am not interested in this subject. I'm not coming to any more talks. If you get nothing else, this one thing, that is absolutely the most important central piece 
for. If you want to hear from God, if you want God to guide right, this is the thing you have to have. Everything centers on this. It comes from a positive story in 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8 says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. And now, here's the phrase. It contains the key to hearing from the Lord when it comes to making decisions. The decision they have to make is they have to decide whether to give money or not. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. Paul's answering the question, because he's writing to the church in Corinth, how did the Macedonian church make their decision about what to give? So what you give, how much money you give, that's not, there's not like a specific rule that they were following. There's not something in the Ten Commandments that says, when Paul asks, give this amount. So Paul is telling the church in Corinth, how did this Macedonian church make this decision? He said they did two things. Number one, they gave themselves first to the Lord. That is the key. That is the linchpin. If you want to hear from God, the absolute necessity the, there is no way to do it without this piece is you have to give yourself to the Lord, which means if you already know what you think you want the decision to be, you will not be able to hear from God. To give yourself first to the Lord means through prayer and earnest desire to say to God, God, it's not my life, it's your life. What do you want done? If you don't do that, it becomes very, very tricky to sort out what it is that God might be saying. For example, in Jeremiah 42, the children of Israel are like, hey, look, they've been defeated by Babylon. Most people have been carted off into exile. They're thinking to themselves, well, we could either stay here in this land or we can go to Egypt. So they decide to inquire of the Lord. So they go and ask, well, what does God think? So they go to the prophet, Jeremiah. Prophet goes and asks the Lord. The Lord says to them, don't go to Egypt. Children of Israel hear and they go, that's very interesting advice. We're going to Egypt. God says, hey, look, you were better off not asking in the first place. Like, now that you've asked, you now know what I want. If you don't do what I want, that's bad. What this verse is saying is, if you've already decided, we're sending our kids back to school, doesn't matter what the school district does, 
or we're homeschooling our kids, or we're going to this trip, or we're coming to camp, or we're going to do this, or we're going to have church where we wear masks or we don't wear masks. If you've already made a decision, or if you already have decided, this is what I want, it becomes really, really hard to hear from the Lord. This is Saul's problem. He wants God to say certain things. He's Saul's chief sin is he's a people pleaser. He's worried about what everybody around him thinks. And in his mind, he does go through the outward rituals. He prays, he does the sacrifices, but in his heart, what he really wants is for God to tell him what he already wants to do. And I just want to be honest with you. I've tried it that way. It doesn't work. I have lied to myself and said, oh yeah, this is what God wants. But deep in my heart, and the only person who knows is you. If deep in your heart you already know or you already want something to be a certain way, it's really tough to hear. And so what this church did, they did the exact opposite of Saul. They said, it's all God's money. We belong to God. We're here for God. I will tell you, this was not the topics that I thought I was going to speak on this summer. I had something else I wanted to talk about. I tried to hear God say, talk about those other things. And guess what? I couldn't make him say that. But when I came to the point of, you know what? I'm here. I belong to him. Like, I didn't get sent here because Hoedown invited me here. I got sent here because God said, go there. And in the midst of, are we going to do camp or not going to do camp? I'm like, all right, Lord, I'll either go... He told me to come, and he said, this is what I want you to talk about. This is what they did. First of all, it's the fundamental decision. Who does your life belong to? Who do your kids belong to? Who does the schooling choices that you're going to make for them belong to? What the Macedonian church realized was we belong to God. It's all his money, whatever he wants. Once you're there, you're ready to hear. Now, there's, we're going to talk about how do you do it. There's mechanics. I understand all of those things. But this is the fundamental point. If Gull Lake had already decided, you know what, we don't care, we're doing camp no matter what, you can't hear from the Lord. If you had decided we're going to Gull Lake no matter what, you can't hear from the Lord. If I decided I'm showing up and I'm teaching this no matter what, can't hear from the Lord. The fundamental thing is not my will, but yours be done. When Jesus is in the garden, he desperately doesn't want to go to the cross. The only way for him to hear the Father saying, you got to go, is when he says, not what I want, but what you want. That's what Saul didn't do. That's what the Macedonian church is doing. That makes all the difference. Robert Frost has this great poem, Two Roads Divide in the Woods, and I chose the one less traveled, and that made all the difference. This is the point Zephaniah is talking about, 1 Chronicles is talking about, 2 Corinthians is talking about. There is a point, a decision, a fork in the road. It's either going to be what I want or it's going to be what God wants. And if you walk down this road, I'll just tell you up front, like Saul, you'll probably make some right decisions, but you will end up in the wrong spot. And what you will hear God say is, he didn't inquire of me. She didn't ask. She went to which? He went to Molech. He made the decision from Google, just listening to his parents. 
You ended up in the wrong spot if you choose this road, where in your heart of hearts, what you really want is whatever God wants. You might make some wrong decisions. David certainly did. But you will end up in the right spot. And so that is the all-important question. Whose will do you want done? And I'll tell you from personal experience, we're all as Christians going to raise our hands and say, well, of course we want God's will. But in the deep recesses of your heart, you have to honestly ask, do I really want God to make this decision? Do I want God? Am I willing to do whatever he tells me to do? Now, before we leave this passage, let me say that actually this is a really great example because if you've never inquired of the Lord or if you're having a hard time kind of wrapping your mind around, well, how does that even work? One of the easiest ways to think about it is with money. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because we're not sort of trying to compare anything, but just think in your heart. You can kind of raise your hand in your heart. Have you ever had the experience where God seemed to impress upon your heart to give money to something? Maybe you're asked to give money to the church and you're like, oh, I should do that. Or you're asked to give money and make a donation to Go Lake and you're like, yeah, I should do that. Or maybe you see somebody who's going through a difficult time uh, during COVID-19. You're like, you know what? I should just send them some money to help them. If you've ever had that experience, you know what it's like to hear from the Lord. And what this passage is saying is money is a pretty great way to begin to learn how to do this. Because what you do with money, what they did, what we're supposed to do, is God says, take some portion of your income and set it aside for me. The Old Testament says 10%. The New Testament doesn't say a percentage. It says whatever you want. But what you're supposed to do is take a portion of the money. You're like, okay, I got a paycheck this week. It was for $1,000, uh, I'm going to set aside $100. That money is not mine anymore, it's God's. That's that first thing. They gave themselves first to God. You stop thinking about that $100 as, being God, as yours, you just think that's God's money. It happens to be in my account, but it's his. If you think that, then you're ready to hear God say, what do you want, God, what do you want to do with that money? It's not a battle of, well, that $100 could either go to something God wants or it could be a down payment on a new PlayStation 5. You don't think that because that's not your money. That's God's money. Once you do that, then you simply say to God, okay, it's your money. How do you want it spent? God might bring a church along that says, hey, look, uh, we're trying to do this building project. And you're like, you know what? I want to give that. It's God's money. I want to give his $100 on building project. Go Lake may come along and go, hey, we're trying to do this thing over here. And you may be here this week and you go, what? Okay, God, that's your $100. If you want that $100 to go to this, great. You may run into somebody at the grocery store and they may say, hey, I just lost my job. And as you're leaving the grocery store, you think to yourself, well, that $100 would be a blessing to them. It's not my $100. I have to give it to somebody. It's God's. I'll give it to them. That's exactly what the church at Macedonia did. And if it's not yet, if you're not ready to wrap your mind around how do you do that with school or how do you do that with your kids or how do you do that with choosing an instrument to play or how do you do that with going to church, money is a place to do it where you can wrap your mind around. It's not your money anymore. So at our church, people tithe, meaning they give regularly. 
We as a church also tithe, which means that we take a third of the money that's given to us as a church and we give that away. So people give to the church. We then give to other churches or we give to missions or to other ministries. We say, look, God gives money to us. We want to give money to other things. That third, we basically take all the money that came in, we multiply it by a third, and that's now, it's all God's money. But that's God's money in a special way. We got to figure out how do we give that third to other people. And we don't get to decide, hey, should that third go for this kind of programming or should that third go to, 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 to fix the building? No, that third is God's in a special way. So these two thirds over here, we as the staff are figuring out, okay, well, how do we spend it on this? And, you know, should we do this? And should we paint those walls? Fine. This third, well, that's God's. So when COVID-19 hit, all of a sudden it became clear to us, there are a lot of churches that are really struggling in the Grand Rapids area. God simply brought us an opportunity. Some, some pastors and, and leaders in town were like, hey, we should all get together and try to help provide money. And so we ended up with, I don't know, 17 churches, something like that, that God gave us to give money to. I'm looking at my wife because she kind of run, runs that sort of section of what we do at our church. Uh, 17 churches. And so we took a portion of that money and we gave it to, that's exactly what they did. That's what I'm trying to tell you. This is how it works. If you can think about it with money, this portion of money belongs to God. If you want to hear from God about your kids or about school or about your job, the fundamental priority is to recognize this belongs to God. He gets to decide what happens here. If I had made a choice about what to talk about based on, well, what do you guys want to hear? Well, no, no, no. These talks don't belong to you, and they don't belong to me. They belong to God. Now, because God loves you, he's not trying to come up with talks that are not useful for you. But ultimately, you're not going to write my epitaph. He is. And so realizing these talks belong to him, what do you want me to talk about? That opens you up to be ready to hear. We're going to talk over the next five sessions about some of the mechanics about how to do it. So I'm not just kind of sending you out there and go, here I am, Lord, I'm ready to do whatever. But this is the main point. If you have money and you think in the heart of hearts, that's my money, you're going to have a tough time hearing from the Lord. If you got kids and you think in your heart of hearts, but these are my kids, I want them to turn out this way. It's going to be tough if the, if, if the Lord wants to tell you something different. If you've got how you want it to work out at your job, or your church, or whatever experience, if you're like, this is a vacation that I want to have happen this way, it will be tough to hear. Saul is the negative example. Even though outwardly he went through the motions, in his heart of hearts, he wanted decisions that was going to cause him to be popular and was going to please people. And even though he made a few right decisions, he ended up in the wrong spot. David is the counterexample. In his heart of hearts, he wanted what God wanted. And even though he made some wrong decisions, and some pretty bad wrong decisions, in the end, he ended up in the right spot. And so my encouragement to each of us, COVID-19 is a shaking of the things of this world. It's a reset button. I feel like God's trying to get our attention about all sorts of things. 
there are more decisions to be made now than perhaps have been made for a long, long time. My encouragement is at the end of COVID-19, God's going to write something. Do you want him to say, they did not inquire of me? Or do you want them to say, they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by God's will, they did what God told them to do? My prayer for Gull Lake for the next 100 years, O'Down, is that that would be true of this place. My prayer for each of you is that when COVID-19 is over or whatever new world emerges at the end of this, this would be said of you. This is my prayer for me as well. God, there's all sorts of ways to make decisions. There are witches. There is technology. There is human wisdom. There is tradition. There is Molech. There is all sorts of ways to make decisions. And there is a way of inquiring of God and letting God lead and guide together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the example of Saul. Lord, you say that the things in the Old Testament are written down as examples for us. And so God, help us to learn from this negative example. Lord, we don't want these things said of us. God, we thank you for this New Testament example. Lord, I pray right now for my brothers and sisters who may be listening. This is a confusing concept. And perhaps even for those who are in Lakeside that are here or younger, but they too have to make decisions. Lord, I pray that you would open our minds and give us understanding. Lord, help impress upon our hearts. God, the heart, the human heart is inherently wicked. Lord, would you take your flashlight and search our souls and find out ways in which we are holding on to what we want? And God, would you allow us to let those things go? Lord, I pray that as we go forward in today and in uh, the rest of this week, listening to your word, engaging with one another, uh, Lord, bring to mind the decisions that you brought us here this week to think through. And may we do them in such a way uh, that you are honored and glorified in them. Thank you for this day, uh, and whether rain or shine all day long, you are a good God, and we praise your name. Amen.